The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. Week three already in the NBA season. Pretty ridiculous to think about that. But we got a lot to get to. We want to talk about whether uh, some of the teams that are struggling, is it time to panic for them? And also want to get into John's piece. He hit the road for the first time in a while in an NBA arena. We'll talk about, about that. Spent some time in Memphis with the Grizz. And also, sadly, I know for John, because it really depresses him, we, we must rule a team out of the playoffs once again. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, had a, had a good trip back to Memphis. It was, it was actually my uh, my first time back there as a civilian. So it was kind of interesting um, <laughs> and fun. And it was my first. Uh, so I've been on a couple trips, but it was my first regular season NBA game since March of 2020. So that was fun. Yeah, well, especially with those uh, Memphis seats. Uh, was it slightly annoying that the media there gets better seats than you probably got as an executive? Those those are better better seats than my actual seats for the uh, for the games when I work there. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong, I had great seats in the lower bowl and whatnot, but uh, that that press seat in Memphis uh, when it's available is probably like one of the top three or four seats uh, you can get in the league. Re- really, I guess Phoenix, uh, maybe one or two other places still give you that kind of seat, but it's pretty rare these days. Uh, all right, well, so let's. Uh... Uh, let's talk about whether uh, some teams uh, should be concerned here. Um, and you got a, a team that comes to mind here that you would like to start with? Um, can, can we just do the West as a conference? <laughs> uh, Jazz are six and one. Warriors are <laughs> aside, five and one. As, as, aside from Utah, has, has anyone been like, have you watched anyone have been like, wow, this team's pretty good? Like, I don't know, like, you know. I guess yeah, Golden State's five and one. I don't. I don't think it's like a super impressive five and one, but yeah, they're you know, and they went undefeated in preseason. Like they probably feel pretty good about themselves. I guess Me- Memphis is like pretty much what they thought they were, right? They're four and three. Like they're probably tracking towards what they thought they would be. A lot of these other teams, man. Whew. Um, can we talk about the Pelicans? Because this might be our last. This might be our last. Is it time to panic before we get to like? <laughs> yeah uh well i was talking about this yesterday actually with danny that we have our third pelicans national tv game coming up on friday already and perhaps (laughs) 
per- perhaps the league's television partners might have been interested to know that Zion Williamson <laughs> had a broken foot. That that would have been good information to have, but but it allows everyone to see Jonas Valanciunas and gives the announcers yeah. more room to talk about what a great guy he is in the course of the game. So yeah. So for me personally, that's a win. Yeah. Unfortunately, it also gives opposing pick and roll combinations a, a chance to see him as well. But I, I guess that that wouldn't have been helped by by Zion either. Uh, so yeah, he he's been keeping their offense afloat to the extent uh, that uh, it's possible to do so for a, a non superstar. But yeah, I mean Brandon Ingram has this hip contusion. He's missed a couple of games. I mean they've they're playing hard. I'll give them that. That, right like their their defense has been a little bit better like Her, herb jones is giving him a boost at least on that end herb jones he have the plus eight net rating so far this season yeah. uh but uh but also uh the guy who is on the floor for a last second offensive possession against the hawks which probably wasn't a great <laughs> idea Ugh. yeah i mean i don't even know if alabama would have had him on the floor for a last second <laughs> possession <laughs> Um, Don't get me wrong, but, like great, great energy, great defense, but yeah, like the, the offensive side of the ball is a very much work in progress. So I, I think you know Zion. If he comes back before December, I would be shocked at this point. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, unless it's to play for the Saints. <laughs> Oh man, boy, you 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 got you're three hours ahead of, of me uh, in in this day. Uh, yeah. You you are uh, you're. I can't keep up with you right in ter- now. In terms of there. yeah, the the coffee differential right now between us is is really a sizable advantage on my part. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, but it, well, so let's just talk about Zion for a little bit here. And I mean, have you ever been in this situation as an executive where a guy was supposed to be coming back and had set a certain timeline and then that just kept getting pushed back and kept getting pushed back and and there's you know appears to be like at least a slight disconnect on what how this should be managed publicly between uh the organization and zion do you have any thoughts just on that whole dynamic right now yeah i mean we were fortunate i don't think we ever had a disconnect in terms of how we were presenting the information to the public um I mean, maybe a little bit that last year there with Parsons returning from his knee thing because he really wanted to come back and we were kind of lukewarm on that. And and so that was a little bit of a battle. Um, But no, I mean, the thing I would probably more compare it to was the year we lost Mike early in the year and he had Achilles discomfort, but we had to really diagnose what was going on and what the remedy was going to be. So we ended up, I forget what we called it, but he was like, you know, he was like day to day for like a month. Right. And then it was like, okay, actually this isn't getting better and he needs to have surgery. Um, and because sometimes like especially with soft tissue injuries like you you don't know half the time especially when sure. they first happen and everyone in the media is like what's it going to be is it you know is it you know what's the timeline and I think I think they don't there isn't the understanding that like with a bone injury like a broken bone it's like pretty cut and dried like you're going to be out for this long and then we're going to be able to bring you back and you'll probably be yeah, totally well, fine except it, except in this case but but go on <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a poor choice of analogy on my part there, huh? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh that's a good point. No, actually, though, with a broken bone in the foot, especially with a heavier player, I mean, we did have a little of that with 
with Mark's return. Fortunately, like everything went perfectly with his recovery. Yeah, from the that was, I foot. was so worried about that when that happened. Yeah. And it turned out that he had one of the best seasons of his career. He had no problems at all. Yeah, exactly. And, but that was definitely a situation where it was like, okay, where, you know, there are points in the timeline where you have to see how it's going. And if it isn't going as fast as you thought, then you just need to wait because you, you, like you just need the bone to heal and you can't, you can't fake your way through through that because you'll just re-break the foot. Um, and that that was a challenge thing thing to manage because Mark really wanted to play for Spain that summer. And we were just like, uh, no, you will re-break your foot like <laughs> instantaneously. Um, and so that so that that was a little bit of a challenge for that, but it wasn't it wasn't the type of thing where I mean we weren't at loggerheads with Mark the way like Zion and his people seem to be with the Saints uh, with the uh, uh, Pelicans, excuse me. So uh, the Freudian slip there on my part, right? Uh, so um, that that little bit different situation that way. But man, this is a this is a rough situation just because I mean Zion. I mean you just look at him physically, and it's not just how heavy he is right now. It's just that frame and that body like right from the word go I mean he got injured right in that that first preseason when I don't know if you did you watch any of the preseason in 2019 like Zion looked amazing like he looked oh, like yeah. he was going to be first team all NBA as a rookie well and, and he's never he's never looked the same to me athletically I thought even that preseason he wasn't quite as athletic as he had looked at Duke and then he got that injury and then he's never I mean and yeah. that's pretty amazing for a guy who had one of the greatest interior scoring seasons in NBA history last year to say that but he has not been the same guy athletically yeah yeah yeah. um so uh, but but anyway so and also to echo what you're saying on the soft tissue stuff particularly with the Achilles that's one where you just it's kind of like all right you rest for a while but you don't know what's going to happen when you actually start to ramp up the activity right if if it's something where you know I think like knee tendonitis and knee soreness can kind of be the same way with that you know if it's something more like a pulled hamstring or something you know they kind of they can see on the MRI grade one, grade two, grade three, and get a, a decent yeah. idea of it. You might have a setback, but at least there is sort of an initial timetable. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. The s- some of these some of these situations. You, you're right. Like when it's not like a very discreet injury. That's that's I think when you really run into trouble with this stuff. Um, the science situation, I guess, is a little different because it is a discreet injury in some ways because it's just the broken bone. But there's so much other stuff going on with his body that it just it, it's complicated. Yeah, there is a, a video that leaked uh, where Zion was uh, trying to just doing some pretty slow defensive shuffles and uh, did not look to be uh, the felt uh, wrecking ball that I think uh, people hoped uh, that he would be. But it, let's get back to the Pels here. They're one and six. They are playing reasonably hard. And we don't know how long Ingram is going to be out, but uh, yeah, I think Will Guillory, your colleague, wrote about this that they've already started two and eight or worse in three of the past five years, and it looks like they're headed for another one of those this year. Yeah, and I mean, offensively, there's just like they've had a lot of trouble on the perimeter that was maybe a little unexpected, right? Like Devontae Graham and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, neither of them can make a shot. So I I don't think they expected to be this bad offensively at the guard spot. Sadoransky, they're not even like he played three games and was really bad and they just like deep six that right away. Yeah. So he's only making 10 million this year. It it, it shouldn't. (laughs) I I mean, yeah. So that's like it's 
To, the prize, I think, the prize, Nate, of the Lonzo Ball sign and trade. Yeah, I mean, they also got. Yeah, it was basically him and Temple, right? It was, yeah. was what they got back, and and a second. So the and Temple, I think he's he could help a contender, um, but they had to give him uh, that longer contract. Do they have to guarantee anything beyond the first year in that? They I know guaranteed they had to give the second year also. Yeah, so two, that, two that, years guaranteed at five a pop, which is probably kind of at the high end of his market value at this point. I mean, he's thirty five years old, so yeah. Now, so when you can. Yeah, go he's ahead. the one guy who's actually made a shot. I mean, he's forty-one percent from three so far, but just you know, you're only getting so much out of him, right? Yeah, and he's an injury risk as well. So to have taken back, you know, fifteen million in contracts and probably get five million worth of production. I mean, Sadaransky could come around potentially, but uh, and and just so so like giving getting a second for just doing that is probably not enough value. And then you also consider that they traded Lonzo Ball as well, who again maybe we'll see what happens the Bulls and his season and all that but uh I think he would be helping them right now more than anyone else that they have in the backcourt at the moment I think that's pretty clear and uh, you don't worry as much about the contract when you just took back far less productive money at least at the start yeah I mean with 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 what they're getting from Graham right now it's I mean it's not even close and I think it's going to be you know might end up really embarrassing for them when the Bulls are playing the Wizards in the conference finals <laughs> Um, but well, so I, I guess maybe the longer thing to look at here before we move on to another team is just that what does it mean now if they're just for the long term future of the franchise if they're completely out of it by the time Zion comes back and probably mid December would be my best guess at this point. Yeah, I think they're going to be getting to the point where another person is making the decisions about their franchise's future. I, I yeah, I I can't see. I can't see uh, David Griffin surviving this. I mean, just politically uh, with what's happened the last couple of years and kind of mismanaging the uh, the rollout of the Zion injury situation heading into this year. Well, I think if that's going to be the case, it would obviously behoove the organization to do that before the trade deadline. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, although, you, I mean, have we seen a new executive come in during the middle of the year like that? Because is there anyone on and is there anyone on his staff that would be qualified to just jump in? Trajan Langdon? Uh, yeah. No, I guess that's true. Right. I mean, yeah, they yeah. brought a lot of people in too. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, that, that, that is kind of odd, but uh, and but maybe even more so is what would be the mandate at the trade deadline at this point? Is it get better for next year or else? I mean, there, you've got like a big moral hazard now with Griffin trying to yeah. save his job that maybe perhaps already manifested itself in some of their offseason moves. Yeah, no, those I mean, those trade deadlines with I mean, I know I've been through it like when, <laughs> when <laughs> you're theoretically managing the trade deadline, but like you got one foot in the grave already like it's it's kind of a weird situation yeah so so i don't know that's and also if you're zion williamson and zion williamson's camp yes he's not there but watching a 24 win team without you doesn't exactly make you feel great about the talent when you do come back yeah although honestly like he's got a lot to prove at this point like are you giving him a max extension right now uh if he comes back and plays okay yes I think so. I mean, I would, you know, if you think Embiid's extension had a lot of caveats in it about health and whatnot, I can't imagine what Zion's will look like. Yeah, although I've always felt that that's overrated. We talked about this before, so I, I know you know this, but for the listeners, just that these exhibit 
get three injury protections and, and all this stuff with Embiid. When you only get the benefit of that, if you just straight out cut the guy, he is he basically would have to have a career-ending injury for you to actually be protected. It's in it's sa- it saves you from a Greg Oden type situation. Yeah, yeah. but also I you know I have I have this feeling that particularly given the marketing angle and the upside that he has shown, I have a feeling that he would still get offer sheets if he gets to restricted free agency and even I agree if he's with that. been like largely injured i mean like what what else are you spending your if you're the oklahoma city thunder what else are you, or are you spending your money on yeah or, or san antonio or, or orlando yeah. somebody like that yeah absolutely yeah yeah now of course and and for those obviously who don't keep up with salary sheets the way john and i do uh zion would not be a restricted free agent until the summer of 2023 so there is some time here but yeah i mean could we see basically the first ever trade request on a rookie contract that that would be uh that would be interesting um Porzingis. oh yeah yeah i guess i yeah there's this would be although, the second the second one technically yeah yeah i guess yeah that would but that was i mean that was only pretty... only like that that was the trade deadline before his restricted free agency after like yes because what i'm what, so it'd be it would be a year it would be a year ahead from where we are today yeah that's correct right like it would be a situation where you know i think once the guy doesn't get extended you've you've seen that before trade requests i'm talking yeah. about trade requests so that the receiving team can ex- in time for the receiving team to extend him and also by the way preserve super max eligibility potentially as well in the future yeah anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style so level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com and use the code per easy to remember because john invented it use per to get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that per code to let them know you came from us I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS. 
like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash per um all right who, who else should we talk lakers here yeah i mean i know they're five and three but like man that's yeah after five a, and three. a less a less than i mean they've played two games against okc and two games against houston so far are you saying that those aren't good teams <laughs> uh well the, the, one of those teams might come up later but yes uh, they, uh they, the only team they played so far that had a winning record last year oh i'm sorry no golden state missed the playoffs but had a winning record right and yeah. okay and then they played phoenix the second game and they lost both of those and then yeah beat the spurs in overtime beat cleveland won these last two against houston oklahoma city again tonight another challenge um yeah, and then they get a bunch of home games, and then the schedule gets real in like two weeks. And so they don't really seem prepared for that right now. But uh, it's, you know, the pieces fit oddly offensively, and we expected that. The defense hasn't really come around for them either, though. And that was kind of the identity they had under Frank Vogel that really worked for them. That was like, okay, our spacing might be a little crowded or whatever, but we're just going to guard you and make your life miserable. And other than Baysmore, they've kind of gotten away from that kind of player It's in their supporting cast. Um, yeah. And I think that's hurt them. Yeah, by the way, I'll correct myself. Their second game against OKC is tonight. So they've played one against OKC on the road, and then they just had a set with Houston yeah, at but home. Like, yeah, yeah, but it feels like because it actually – playing OKC actually gives you two wins in the standings because they're that bad right now. Uh, so <laughs> it just – just feels like a multiplier. Um, yeah, that, that that loss to them was pretty ugly. Granted, without LeBron, but I, I mean, I think it, the defense. I agree with you. The fit, I agree with you. I mean, I think the bigger thing though is just like are Russell Westbrook and LeBron James still that good? I mean, maybe it's part of the reason that they're not is the is the fit. Mm-hmm. But it, LeBron, his free throw rate is like eighteen right now, and it's ba- it's almost never been below thirty before yeah. in his career. He finally got to the basket a little bit at the end. Of the game last night uh he tried to post up your guy jay sean tate a couple of times and uh, jay sean tate wasn't too interested in letting him do that uh yeah. but and, and he had to go to the right shoulder fadeaway and it, he's really it's been jump shooting that's been kind of holding up his season for a while but now that's started to fall off he's 35 percent from three and uh you know they're, they're relying on carmelo so much at this point and he's been awesome shooting the ball which they need but uh he also is just completely compromises your defense anytime that he's out there yeah so yeah i think uh, you know maybe the return of ariza and uh, another kendrick, buyout signing kendrick yeah. kendrick nunn being out i think has hurt them because he he uh, can give so? them some some offensive juice uh without being malik monk on defense um so i i i think that's a guy who him being out is not getting enough attention i mean horton tucker he's been out too but he's 
I still think he's a little more of a next year piece. Like, I, I, you know, how he fits on this team where the guys already can't shoot, I think is a little more questionable. They, they need a way to play Davis at center without also having to play Carmelo. And then I think you'll see the defense get back to being pretty yeah, decent. That's where Ariza could potentially help them, right? Because you can play, you can go LeBron, Ariza, Bazemore across two, three, four, and Davis is at five. And then you're huge, but you're also not compromised uh, laterally that much that like that that could be a really good defensive lineup for them yeah Danny was talking about this yesterday I think it's an important point too is that if they wanted to get into the trade market for example like Eric Gordon is someone who I think would fit extremely well with what they want to do um they basically have two pieces they can trade that are making above the minimum one is none making five million and the other is Horton Tucker making 9.5 yeah and and I do think they need like a reason maybe he'll work out, but especially coming off of ankle surgery and being 36, I don't know if you want to count on that. He definitely, in theory, is exactly what they need, but yeah. it's just whether he'll actually be able to deliver on that. I think that's kind of a 50-50 proposition at this point. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think there's definitely cause for concern. Um, you know, I, I, LeBron, to me, has not looked that good. Like, he still controls the game, but as far as just his ability to take over and get to the rim. But on the other hand, they haven't, when they spread pick and roll with him and ad it still looks pretty good um i think russ just you know on his on his way to yet another uh third consecutive start to a season now like well below 50 percent true shooting yeah uh, his jumper and free throw i think you just gotta just assume that they're not any good anymore and so it really becomes difficult unless he's gonna be this like dive guy that you know you're gonna turn him into bruce brown at the yeah. end of games which uh, I don't think that's what they expected to get for $47 million. No, I mean, I'm curious about Russ because he sucked at the beginning of last year, too. And then the second half of the year, he was really good. And the same thing it, happened in Houston the year before right. that, right? So is he just a guy who's going to ease his way in? And then, you know, February, March, April, you're getting the guy you really wanted. I mean, certainly, I mean, I think that's a fair question with LeBron, too. Like, how much is he hitting the cruise control button right now? Yeah, no, I think that's a, certainly a, a valid concern. I mean, you can only go by what you're seeing on film, but then you just, like, how much do you then discount that due to his past history and then also the fact that he's 37? So I'm not ruling it out, but I do think the chances are a little bit more remote that he, because in the end, unless LeBron James is playing at the level of a top five, top three player in the NBA, this team isn't going anywhere regardless of the fit or the rest of the personnel, I, I would say. Yeah, unless... I mean, unless Davis is gonna, I mean, if we get, we get bubble Davis, I mean, that's, that, that's still a factor, but I think some of that really depended on outlier shooting that you're just not going to get right now. And the post-ups for him look ridiculous. Like that, that Oak City game, I mean, there were two different times they had a guy in the strong side dunker spot while Davis was posting up, which doesn't seem humanly possible, but I swear they did it. Um, <laughs> And it's like, what, like, what are we trying to do here? Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's pick another w- one more team here in terms of a slow start uh, that we need to talk about. Um, uh, anybody else jump out at you that, that you got some some takes on? Uh, so remember when Dallas was good at offense? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do remember that actually. Like they are like four and three, but yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they also have a negative 6.1 point differential right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like even during the first quarter last night when they had the lead, it just felt like like 
like I'm watching, I'm like, I don't know how Dallas is ahead. Miami's outplaying them. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how it how it ended up bearing out. Uh, I mean, not having Porzingis has hurt, but I just, like, what are you counting on from Porzingis at this point? Um, they haven't had the same level of Luka. And I, I just want, like, what do you think of all these post-ups with Luka? I liked it more at the end of games. And also when they had guys who, who could make a shot. I, I mean, I I did think it was an important variety to their attack. Like Rick Carl actually would go to it in the last three minutes of game sometimes. Last year, I'm not sure how, but I like it also better when he dribbles into a post up as opposed to like them trying to enter the ball to him. That like, Entering the ball into the post just... Their you know, thing, it, it just their thing the after right, a free like, throw now is that they're going to like basically advance it right up and throw it into Luka in the post. But like you haven't just generated any mismatch right it's just Luca posting up somebody who's the same size as him yeah now I think he can beat guys like that depending on who it is that his initial matchup is but yeah I do like it a little bit better going after the the smaller player and you know playing against Miami last night Miami is looks great they, they look like they're going to be a threat all year if they stay healthy so uh, yeah I mean Luca I mean his biggest problem statistically is not hitting the three he's turning it over a lot as well they uh some of their shooters are just not hitting like Reggie Bullock Finney Smith has been way off aside from yep. just how good he is on the offensive glass. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and Porzingis, yeah, what, what you're talking about as far as what they're going to get from him, he looked a little bit better in preseason, came in, did not play well. Then he's got the sore back and you're just, uh, well, here's another setback. And if when he comes back, is he going to be moving better what, coming off a sore back? You know, it's just, it's always something physically with him. And uh, yeah, you just, you really wonder now, like there's maybe hope under kid that he could be better. And I'm not foreclosing on that, but this missing now four games in a row, he's maybe supposed to be back with the sore back today it's it's not the way they wanted to start the season but they i mean they're at least four and three they've gotten blown out a couple of times but only counts as one loss in the standings yeah i mean i do think luca will play better than he's played which is the biggest thing of variance but i also like this is not a team that's going to lead the league in offensive efficiency no it doesn't seem that way and that's really the way that they need to do i mean they are right now 25th on offense and 18th on defense again having had three just like really miserable games and as a team shooting 31.5 percent from three and and that'll but you know it's not like they're giving up like crazy hot shooting from opponents either um i guess uh you saw denver yes in in person you talk a little bit about what you saw from them yeah um michael porter is just a guy right now and he can't just be that and that well, so I, explain I think, explain what you mean for being him being just a guy you know like he's he's like he hasn't been terrible or anything but like he's only averaging 10 points a game he's shooting 35 percent like I, he's i would i would consider that terrible yeah okay they, okay fine yeah he's been yeah, okay he's been legitimately bad at times okay the yeah. the that that wasn't the guy they paid obviously and I think it's put all kinds of pressure on other players in that mix to be something they're not. Um, and you see it especially like with their second group, because I think coming into the season, Malone probably thought, OK, well, I'll stagger Jokic and Porter. And that way I can get, you know, I can get by with some second unit groupings where there's not a lot of shot creation. And he's kind of went away from that and gone with Will Barton with that second group because Porter just isn't isn't giving him anything right now. And it's, and it's just not good enough. 
And I mean, Jokic, when he's out, like Jokic is still so damn good. And yeah. just he, he still has a 17, a 17.2 net rating, although they have a 91 defensive rating with him on the floor. So I'm not uh, only a 108 offensive rating with him on the floor. Yeah. That's uh, that's disappointingly low. Yeah. I mean, like you just see these possessions where Xavier Tillman does everything right for 23 seconds and then Jokic just flips up some crazy shot and it doesn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Sambor <laughs> shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. And you just guy shake your head like oh well um the uh you know they come in with the two greens the two x grizzly greens off the bench i don't think they're the problem the problem is they're not Jokic, and there's no other there's no other like shot creation talent on the floor out there wait you know you're asking Campazo to create something in pick and roll or um you know i think we're going to see more of bones highland just to get some shot creation with that second group uh, i think they've already started giving him austin rivers minutes uh obviously not having jamal murray hurts because you could have him out there with that second group and things would probably be fine uh, but for as long as he's out, I think it's going to be a real scuffle for these guys to get enough offense when Jokic is off the floor. And they got to figure out how to get Porter out of this uh, funk that he's in. Well, I was really disturbed when I saw Michael Porter Jr. try to beat Doug McDermott off the dribble and not be able to do it. <laughs> that's that that's a little bit troubling yeah um yeah right and and so yeah i, I mean denver yeah. like they are they are staying afloat here with this 99 yeah. defensive rating like their their overall offense right now is 100.7 i mean that is yeah. just a, a miserable uh, they're 26th in the in the nba in offense ahead of only uh the tanktastic three of the rockets thunder and pistons and then the clippers who have just been missing every single three-pointer all all season so yeah. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there are a lot of like, I mean, Brooklyn is 22nd in offense. The Mavs are 24th. The Wolves are 25th and the Nuggets are 26th. Like those the are Clippers teams are 27th we were, right now. Those are teams who were like banking on to win with offense, right? Yeah. It's been a weird start to the year, man. Not, not just with offense being down, but with the individual teams whose offenses are way down. Um, you know, we could throw Phoenix in there too. Uh, it's, it's been an odd start. Um, yeah. All right. So what else do we need to talk about here? Just, uh, I guess you wrote today about, uh, seven players who are playing well to start the season. And the guy that I wanted to focus on is Rashawn Holmes, because for yeah. yet again, the Sacramento Kings are minus a million when he's off the floor and look great when he plays. What have you seen from him so far this year? I mean, he's just like, he just does a lot of subtle stuff. That's really good. Like he's, he's actually really good. Uh, uh, kind of creating stuff for other people as a, as a center. And you don't really see it or feel... I mean, he's not throwing these like Jokic passes or anything, but just during the course and the flow of the game, he's just like constantly like doing plus things out there and not taking anything off the table. And he shoots these weird funky floaters, but they all go in. And and defensively, they're, you know, much more solid with him out there, even though he's like a little undersized and he's a good athlete, but he's not like a freak. But he, he just knows how to play and everything works when he's out there. And then as soon as, as, soon as it, it's crazy, as soon as he leaves the game, it just like crumbles to shit. Uh, Sacramento has um, 
They've gotten a good start from Harrison Barnes. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has been horrendous. Like, like what happened to him? Like, he's just bonking 16-foot jumpers, and that's all he does. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you noticed, I, I usually don't get into this too much, but he really has had some extremely low-effort plays, bad body language. He he reprised the famous James Harden from Houston last year pass where he just threw it all the way across the court, and the, hey, you go do it now, and someone intercepted it, and then he didn't even bother running back like there just been a lot of effort plays that haven't been great by him his shot selection he's taking a lot of like step back threes when he's hitting yeah. like 20 percent of them it, yeah. it's just been a very odd start to the year for him yeah i mean defensive effort plays for him were never like a big strength so i guess i i uh I, you know i those didn't maybe grab my attention as much as they should have but that offensively there's like i'm used to him just like blowing by people and just get to the rim get to the rim get to the rim and you just haven't seen that at all um and yet the kings have been competent despite that and despite starting maurice harkless and putting him on the other team's best player every game and it, like they're they're still like right in the mix and honestly you look at their first seven games and they look better than a lot of these other teams in the west just just because the west a lot of teams in the west i just don't think have looked that good but yeah, yeah Rashawn, Rashawn Holmes, man. Like, is it ridiculous to put him in the All-Star game? Uh, yeah, well, because the All-Star game is a few months away, so probably. <laughs> they, they actually they actually don't vote for a few months. I don't know if you knew that. Damn. <laughs> Always with the technicalities. St- stu- stupid answers to stupid questions. Sorry, guys. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Any other like big storylines, trends uh, that have stuck out to you, teams, players uh, early on? I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to avoid going too hard because it is six, seven games, and yeah. this is we got fans back in the building. We we're kind of using these last two years as our baseline when there were no fans and there are COVID protocols and offense was crazy high. And you know, Seth had a good piece about how he thinks empirically that uh, a, a big part of why shooting is down is just that fans are back in the building. That it actually was easier to shoot and. In the no fan environment for whatever reason so i'm a little wary of drawing any sweeping conclusions particularly with respect to how guys played last year because i think last year in the bubble maybe were such outliers but uh it, it i agree with you that it does seem like there is more weird unexpected
unexpected stuff going on at the start of this year than there normally would. Yeah. Um, you know, probably the other thing to talk about is just, you know, we talked about is a time to panic. The opposite, like, is a time to celebrate. Like, if you're a fan of Miami or Chicago right now, like, how, how excited are you? I'm, I'm a lot more excited as a Bulls fan than I would have been in uh, when we talked a week ago because they hadn't played anyone. And now they've actually had some pretty nice wins. Um, yeah. You know, Patrick Williams going out with the dislocated wrist. I actually don't think that's going to hurt them that much this year because I just don't think he was that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I agree with that. Yeah. And that's also a team that I think could maybe try to shore up a little bit in the trade or, or the buyout market. But they do, they're just winning in a different way than we thought that they would uh, uh, defensively. And that second unit defensively is, is pretty good. You know, Bradley and Jones are guys who look like they can step in in the absence of Patrick Williams as well. I think it's more just concerning for their long-term future where this is basically the guy that they, among their young players, they put all their eggs in in this basket and now he's just going to miss six months of development time and and a whole season again. So, uh, you know, he's never really had any kind of a training camp because he missed that with the the sprained ankle. So it's more of a long-term concern to me than a this year concern to me that he's out. As a a Bulls fan, how much Franz Wagner uh, envy are you having right now? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I am not a Bulls fan. I'm saying if I if I were a Bulls fan, I, I, I think 2015 is the year that I surrendered. There's there's a small, little-known dumpster behind uh, the Birdo Center where you just kind of uh, sneak, sneak when in. They, when, they, when they traded Gary Harris and Yusuf Nurkic for Doug McDermott, was that the exact moment where, where you surrendered? Um, I, I think it was the 2015 Game 6 loss to the Cavs. Uh, but oh. but yeah, actually, what you do actually is you take that card and you just put it into uh, Jim Boylan's punch clock, and that's how they know <laughs> that you have, that that it's like you know it's like the same thing as a driver's license where they punch a hole through it and now it's no longer valid, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but at, you know, it's a good, good times to be a Bulls fan right now. And, and I'm very interested to see how the rest of the season plays out. One big concern is that Vucevic is really, really struggling right now. And, and I, I'm yeah. interested to see how the rest of his season goes, but he's just simply the fact that he's going to get guarded out there is so critical to what they're doing oh, absolutely. offensively. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but, and Miami as well. I, I mean, do you, let's say they stay healthy, which obviously is a big if, but do you buy this team as a championship contender have you seen enough that you would kind of move them up compared to what your preseason expectation was for them man they looked they looked really good last night um they i mean i would definitely move them up i i still wonder a little bit like how does this team play against a milwaukee or a brooklyn in a playoff series uh I mean, Tyler Hero, if he plays like this, I mean, it's not, it's not, cause then it's not just that they got one really good guard. They got two basically, right? With Hero turning yeah. into this and getting Kyle Lowry at the same time. And you have Butler and Bam both healthy. Now that starts looking pretty good. And then in the playoffs, obviously, they can just like lean on their top seven guys and you're not seeing so much of like these, you know, Markeith Morris, Caleb Martin minutes or whatever. So there, there is an upside here to like what the best version of this team could be. That's pretty good. Um, 
does that does that put them on equal footing with a Milwaukee with a full strength Milwaukee or a full strength Brooklyn? Boy, I'm gonna I still probably need to stop short of that. But I mean, based on my priors on opening day, I mean, I'd say I would definitely move Miami up. Yeah, I I still worry about they're having that one guy who can really create a isolation offense. I I'm and maybe Butler can do that against the likes of Brooklyn, but I I think this putting Giannis on him going under all the screens, I think that really seems like a formula that could still work against him I mean, and he's he's going to miss time obviously at some point. He's 32. He's been maybe the MVP so far through 7 games cuz he's been yeah. unbelievable. And and he's he's still getting to the foul line by the way that's he's one guy that these rules haven't really messed up also i think bam is playing a, a lot better as well after his failure against brooke lopez and the bucks last year it seems like he's coming out a lot more aggressively on offense he's bam is up to 28 percent usage and hero 58 percent true shooting 29 percent usage i still wonder whether he can maintain that level of uh of efficiency just never getting to the rim or the line it's it, yeah. like he's really relying on making jumpers but they don't need him to be unbelievable I think if he can just be enough of a threat and particularly against a team like the Bucks, that was a big part of their struggles too, is that Hero couldn't do anything and it, nobody on this team could get them out of the drop coverage that they were in. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would be very interested to see a full strength Miami Bucks matchup and then Brooklyn, you know, who, who knows with them. Harden's looking slightly better, but that's, uh, they'll they'll come up, I, I guess, too. I mean, should we talk about them at all? Like, are we, our, our level of concern with them? they're probably i mean the number one team that's been below expectations uh, if you look at the entire league to me yeah to me so much of brooklyn is okay durant still looks like durant right so like you're not worried about that and he's probably the best player when you get to a playoff series right yeah so can harden get back to harden physically the first two weeks of the season just look like absolute crap um you're right these last couple games he's looked more like himself can he get back somewhere close to that Houston Harden and be that number two. And then obviously, you know, Kyrie, (laughs) what's going on there? Like is Durant and Harden enough for them to compete against these other high level teams? Like I, they need, they need a better, rather than having five mediocre centers, like to get one good one, I think would be a real uh, upgrade for them. And that's probably the biggest thing I see just with, with what they have in the front court. I just, I just think there's times where you look at the matchup and you're like, Ooh, okay. How are they going to, how are they going to get out of this one? Um, Would you care to guess what the Brooklyn Nets rank in three-point attempt rate right now? Uh, they're pretty far down there, aren't they? I I, I don't honestly know the answer to this question. Uh, they they are 18th. Wow, wow. A team with now, James now they Harden, were only Joe Harris were, and Patty Mills. Yeah, yeah. They, they were only ninth last year, so it's not like they were just bombing away. They were, they hit them at, at a fantastic rate. Obviously, they were thirty nine percent. They're actually out shooting their opponents from three, though. They've had pretty good opponent shooting luck to make their defense respectable so far. But yeah, I mean to to not be in the uh, top two thirds of the league in, in offense right now is concerning. And Harden is one aspect of it, but I also I, I wonder if Steve Nash misses Mike D'Antoni because oh you know we're experimenting blah blah we got. 
all the, all these guys, but they just it seems like they are really struggling to find the combinations that work. They started going with Millsap at center mm-hmm. at the end of halves, so maybe maybe that's it. Uh, you know, he's better at switching than Blake Griffin, but they just they're spending most of the time it seems like with two non shooters on the floor, and that, that can make things difficult. In addition yeah. to the fact that Harden the, is not himself, the return of uh, twenty one foot Lamarcus hasn't helped either. Yeah, I mean he's shooting the shit out of it for mid range, but it's still yeah. the, the other the other problem with mid range is it's just it's where you're standing. It's not even the inefficiency exactly. of the shot. It's that you're you're gumming up the works for everyone else by not spacing out. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. All right. So now I fear it is time to talk about the dregs of the NBA, our treasured tradition. We are going to rule a team out of the playoffs. How could we possibly do that? It's it's only uh, November third, but uh, alas, tradition requires it. I will go first this time. Okay. I am torn, desperately torn, mm-hmm. between the Houston Rockets and the Detroit Pistons. The Orlando Magic obviously would figure in this as well. the The Rockets actually looked semi decent last night against the Lakers. The Pistons were somewhat worse than semi decent last night against a Bucks team with they, they were they were and- they were they were indecent. Nate, I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, let's put a pin in this one. Cade Cunningham is now being, uh, I think, 3 for 22 from the field, but his jumper doesn't look right to me. Like, he looks like he's bringing the ball up further in front of his body. Like, it's not as smooth. I don't know if you've seen any of him and you agree with that or not yet. But I watched a couple of his first a couple shots from his first game off TV. And so not, not, it didn't stand out to me, but I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't see the game last night. I saw the game the first night. Um, so I, I, I don't have anything to go off of yet, but that would be troubling because to me, his jump shot was the best thing about him as a prospect. Yeah, and it looked great in summer league. I I, I agree with you on that. So we'll see. I, I need to do more of a film breakdown of it if this continues and see see if there's a difference. But yeah, number one overall picks tinkering with their form between summer league and the start of the season usually doesn't go that well. Yeah, uh, we uh. <laughs> Um, but uh, all right. So, but back to the task at hand here, man, this is a tough call. I mean, obviously they're both going to miss it, but uh, just, uh, I have to be fair though. I need to feel good about who actually deserves it more. I think I'm going to still go with the Rockets because I, I think the Pistons at least might be able to defend at some point. And some of these guys will shoot a little bit better. Uh, I think the, the Pistons are better coached. So I think, I think I will ultimately rule the Rockets out of the playoffs rather than the Pistons, but. It is an extremely difficult decision. Do you uh, do you see it differently, John? I see it differently. I'm going to rule out the Detroit Pistons. Uh, uh, first disagreement. This, yes. I, I wonder which of us. Do, do you think this could come back to haunt either of us? Uh, <laughs> unlikely. Although we've we've thought that we've. We've ruled teams out with tremendous confidence before, only to be uh, yeah. The the twenty twenty Grizz all yeah. like went down to the play, and they, they would have yeah. gotten it probably had it not been for the bubble. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, couple reasons that I'm going to pick Detroit. Biggest one is that right now the East is a tougher place to make the playoffs than the West. So mm. I'm going to factor that into my evaluation. Second thing I'm going to say is that. I, I do think the Pistons are better coached. I think in a roundabout way, there's upside in that for Houston if they make a change. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, maybe they, maybe they luck into something that way. Um, and they have, they have more to me, young guys who could maybe get hot in the second half of the season and lead some kind of charge to like 33 wins in the 10th seed. Um, 
So, I mean, as we said, like neither of these teams are making the playoffs, right? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is this is really just the ultimate the ultimate just like intellectual that, masturbation yeah. at this point. So, just uh, like, two, like, two, like, okay, d- two d- two other reasons factored into my choosing Detroit. Okay. One, uh, I think they're going to drag around this Killian Hayes boat anchor in the starting lineup all year, uh, and that's going to put a, a cap on what they can do. Um, and then second thing is like Kelly Olynyk has been, if not their best player, certainly among their best players. I think he's a real a guy who could end up like of the veterans on either of these two teams. I know people talk about Eric Gordon, but I think Kelly Olynyk is probably the like is he the number one trade target between those two teams? As far I, I as would better put, guy I would put I would put House and, and Gordon ahead of him. Okay, okay, yeah, positionally, yeah, I guess you could make that argument. But um, yeah. so it, anyway, if he's if he's not there, they are they are certainly quite a bit worse. So uh, weighing against that, like if Cade Cunningham ends up being good and elevating them the second half of the year, then I guess you could see how they could get in that way. And then I could rue the day that I pick them to miss the playoffs. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, they are shooting 27% from three, uh, which is I think that that has to get a little bit better. But you would maybe think. not much better given the personnel, but a little bit better. Um, you know, and they, like, Sadiq Bey is, is a, a better shooter than 20 nine percent you know that those sorts yeah, of you things think so right Trey Lyles is, is the only piston who has made more than a third of his three-point attempts how about that yeah that's uh that's pretty terrifying uh, uh Luca Luca Garza what, what about him at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into Twitter spaces here. So please okay. uh, get your requests in. You, uh, it might be a, a little bit here, but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. This is always a really fun segment to do. Uh, let's start here. I'm going to bring in Cody. Cody, uh, you are in if you got a question for us. Hey guys, uh, question about the Celtics coaching from Ime Doka. I know it's early, hard to draw conclusions and all that, but in making an evaluation, how do you, what do you watch? What are you looking for? A bit of a red flag for me would be the early defensive performance given the personnel, but I'm just curious what your thought process is. Yeah, the uh, the existential crisis has begun early in Boston this year, huh? 20, uh, I mean, t- I, they're 27th in defense and they should not be, right? Given, given the, the player in that team i think that's i think that's clear what's what's driving that like i don't like they've had this weird malaise about them the last couple years and i like watching that washington game like it was weird like it was a close exciting game except like i don't know you felt like tatum was only halfway into it and uh you know a lot of like kind of settling for bad shots and uh 
It's tough. I mean, but Boston's been played a tough hand in some respects because they've lost two different players to max free agency, um, you know, with Kyrie and Hayward both leaving. And they've been trying to integrate draft picks who haven't been that good. Uh, and even now you see like Romeo Langford and Grant Williams are playing a bunch of minutes. They have their contracts picked up like they're they're not really making any impact on the court either. And uh, it's I, I don't know. What, what, what do you think here, Nate? Um, they are fouling a ton, aren't they? Isn't that the, the, their their biggest problem? Let me double check that. But I, I think yes, you know, they're their last last an opponent free throws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, like they're, they're and it's really mostly their perimeter guys uh, who are fouling a ton as well. I, I apologize, someone had that. I, I can't remember where I read that a couple of days ago. But yeah, that that's you know, is that going to continue? I I don't know. I I think they're they're not like you know location e field goal percentage is eighth in the nba so that's that's reasonable i think you know they are doing a ton of switching they've got to kind of get into that scheme a little bit more but i think they have the personnel to do that oh uh, yeah. It, I, yeah i did want to i did want to bring that up because they're what they're doing like they're trying to just be like switch everything basically but yeah i think like you have to be a little smarter about the off-ball switches because I mean, we we actually re- went through that a little bit one year in Memphis where we were trying to just switch everything. And teams would just do off-ball switches with us with the clock at like 23. And they'd have the matchup we wanted so, they wanted so early that we were just yeah. chasing our tail the whole rest of the possession. And so you have to be a little smarter than just saying we're going to switch every single thing uh, in, in how you approach that, even if you are a quote-unquote switching team. And I think that's one of the things I've seen from Boston – where they've had trouble with that, where they get they're getting these switches so early that just like okay, now I got Dennis Schroeder on your four with twenty seconds on the clock, and we, we're just chasing. So I, I think that's that's something where they need to get better. What do you think of the the Williams Horford starting lineup? Uh, yeah. I I guess I don't love it. I think I'd rather see them play a little smaller and faster. With I mean, especially Jalen Brown's so good in transition, um, and and I think that's more where their advantage lies. Uh, not not that you can't play that way, but I I don't know that that should be your go to. And then when you start with the two of them together, it like I think you're a little more forced to play like a Grant Williams or Jabari Parker, whereas otherwise maybe you wouldn't have to, and you can get Nesmith in the action more. Yeah, um, uh, Cody, you you got it. Thoughts? It sounds like you're, you're a, a, a big Celtics guy. Anything that you've seen? No, I'm just struggling along, trying to gather little pieces of information. Was kind of just getting, <laughs> trying to get an idea of what what to watch for. What do you look for when you evaluate a new system, new coach, all that stuff? You know? Yeah, I mean the the rotation definitely. Do the lineups that are out there make sense? Like, do you do you fill out all the NBA Live bars or, or I'm sorry, 2K? I I played NBA Live 20 years ago. It's 2K <laughs> now. Like, do you fill out all those bars in terms? of just shooting and passing and defense and all that with your lineup choices are guys playing hard obviously is there uh is there internal dissension <laughs> that, that might be uh yeah, uh, yeah actually john do you you saw did you see marcus smart's comments last night yes and it was weird as um, he was complaining yeah. about the offense and was like okay like i could sort of see that like especially in the washington game but like that isn't the root of your problem here yeah well and, and i mean are you like if you're an executive and a player says something like that, is that like five alarm fire? Or are you just like, ah, eh, this will go away. Who cares? Yeah. Three alarms. Like, yeah, maybe we <laughs> pull Marcus aside, kind of talk to him, see, you know, how he's feeling and stuff. Yeah. It, he, he uh, that extension seems to have emboldened him a, a, a little 
bit here. But um, okay, thanks for that, Cody. Let's uh, let's get to Constantinos. Constantinos, you're you're in. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's going on? Hi, how are you guys doing? I'm really excited to be to be participating. Yeah, what do you got for us? So um, I think you guys already alluded to it previously, but it, it regards Harden, and I think he's looking a bit better compared to the beginning of the season. But I think he's still not in peak playing condition. Um, I also believe that the way we evaluate Harden should be different in Brooklyn compared to the way we evaluated him in Houston because due to the nature, due to the difference um, in the nature of his role. So my questions are, my two questions are, would you agree with that in the sense that do you think we should evaluate him a little bit differently? And secondly, how good does he have to be for the Nets to be a legitimate contender, assuming that Kyrie won't be back? Well, I do think we have to evaluate him differently. I mean, he's definitely operating as more of a passer in Brooklyn than he did in Houston. But just, I mean, the eye test, like he, like the first week of the season, like he couldn't get by anybody. Like he couldn't get any separation. Like it was just very clear. Um, I think for them to win, like at that high a level without Kyrie, I mean, I think you really need Harden to be like a top 10 player in the league along with Durant. Don't you think so, Nate? Yeah, the, the, I actually just said that a couple of days ago as well. That yeah, if he's if he's just top fifteen, I don't think they have enough depth outside of him. And also, he has been so bad defensively as well. I mean, if you think that lack of conditioning affects his offense, then take a look at his defense. And I thought obviously he was dealing with the hamstring, but his return against the Bucks really led to a massive decline in their defense. And then without Kyrie, you're not just well. We'll just make up for that by being the best offense of all time but I mean, to me if they're if they're going to be a championship contender like they they need to be the number one offense maybe the number two offense we were thinking they would be one of the best offenses of all time again this year maybe they can get there but that's the level to me that he needs to be pushing them to because with him without a rim protecting center the fact that you have to switch everything that he's not good at that the fact that their transition defense is going to be pretty bad when he's out there those the numbers of him on off in terms of transition defense are horrific mm-hmm. right now so yeah i mean he needs to get back to being a, a superstar and you know i i think to some extent maybe evaluate him differently in brooklyn but that was more too when they had Kyrie as well and he could be in pure distribution mode i think you need him scoring an efficient 27 a game along with kd to get to where they need to be offensively in yeah. the absence of, of Kyrie. yeah um yeah so, uh, all right, now that's a, it's a great question, Constantine. Thanks, and uh, let's get to a couple more here. Uh, let's see. I try, I try to get uh, get some new people in when I recognize them. Lunchman, <laughs> Lunchman, you're in. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Long time listener, first time caller. Um, we we had talked a bit about the existential malaise of the Boston Celtics, but I'm a long suffering Timberwolves fan. Uh, we just had a pretty grim loss to the Magic. I'm wondering uh, a loss like that. That early in the season how much weight do you give it in terms of like prognosticating into the future or or is it just do you just kind of chalk that that up to shit happens early in the season i actually think you have the best idea of what your team is between about halloween and christmas uh yeah 
Tom Habersrose had some uh, some research on that. That yeah, your first I I forget, can't remember whether it's ten or twenty games, but is more predictive of playoff success than yeah, uh, and than the last twenty games. And in particular, like I feel like the first two weeks or so are a little bit throwaway because a lot of times that short span at the very beginning of the season, you'll see some random results because coaches will be trying stuff and then they realize that it really doesn't work at all. And then they throw that out and then they get to kind of what their real team is going to be the rest of the year. But then that stretch between Halloween and and let's say if you want to use a shorter window even and Thanksgiving or into Christmas if you want more sample. But that's when you still have most of the players on most of the teams are basically healthy. Uh, their their give a shit factor is pretty high. Nobody is tanking yet. Like that's the closest thing to. Uh, it's not the playoffs, but it's kind of the the closest barometer to like this is a pretty fair eval of like what you have best players versus best players, and there's not really a lot of compromising factors in there. So that so that getting back to that uh, Orlando game, I mean, it's one game and shot variance and all that, and Orlando might be better than we thought, but yeah, that was kind of wolvesy right there, wasn't it? You better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, for, and, fortu- and, yeah. fortunately, you know, you've you've built up right some 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 skin for this, right? Like you you know, th- there's only so much this can wound you at this point. Oh yeah, the wounds are scarred over. There's they can't hurt me anymore. Um, I I would say yeah, especially given their their schedule, only one road game so far, and really haven't played anybody. You know, Denver I think is the best team they played, unless you want to say I, I guess Middleton and Giannis were active, uh, although no low. Lopez and no holiday in that game they won against the Bucks. But yeah, home losses to New Orleans and Orlando, not an amazing start. Orlando also surprised the Knicks, so maybe they're a little bit better. I I, I don't think so. I, you know, I might wait until the fourth team to, to rule them out of the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I... I'm. I don't know if I'm that concerned. I mean, I would have hoped that the. I had him for 35 wins. I thought I might bump that up a little bit into the high 30s. That that's kind of about how I see this team. I think I'm still more looking at what Anthony Edwards is going to be over the course of the year. Can Jalen McDaniel's ever hit a shot? And how do Russell Edwards and Towns uh, all fit together? Um, Russell's going to miss some time now. It seems like with this ankle injury. And yeah, I, I I'm not sure exactly what to think of these guys. I think they're just kind of in the play and mix like they've always been and them that that win in milwaukee was maybe a little bit overstated in terms of their narrative yeah getting to 10th i think would be a nice result for them this year uh pretty soft schedule the next couple weeks that they could maybe take advantage of um before things get a little tougher i think as we get further into the year so we'll see we'll see how that goes for them looking ahead at their schedule there's like a month in january february where they're like all road games um i I don't know if you're minnesota Maybe you want to be on the road then, but uh. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you're too, you're too far away from a juicy Lucy and and young Joni. Uh, you, you don't want to be too far uh, or gone from that for too long. Um, all right, <laughs> that, that was a, a good question. We're going to get to one more here, and that is going to be oh, let's uh, let's get our guy Sean Coleman in here. How you doing, Sean? Mr. Duncan. Uh, always good to hear from you, Sean. What's going on? Hey, hope y'all are well, uh, Mr. Hollinger. I, I noticed that. Uh, you were uh, in Memphis recently. Hope that uh, your return yeah. was uh, was fun, and 
you got to see some some good action. Yes, I did. I had a great trip. So a little bit of memory lane action, and then uh, got to see some of the new guys in uh, in Memphis. You know, Ja Desmond Bain uh, wrote something on Desmond Bain today. So yeah, it was all great. Well, thank you for always having me on uh, to uh, to talk with y'all. Um, I wanted to ask a bit about it. I, I talked about it on, on my podcast. Wrote about it today as well. Um, I know that there's a lot of noise and variance and early season numbers, and it can be skewed in small sample sizes. But I think the overall production of the Grizzlies offense, especially, you know, John, as you allude to in your article for Jaw, Melton, and Bain, is not only their ability when it comes to actually shooting, but the self-creation numbers are certainly encouraging to start the season. Um, I think you can argue their top five, you know, in the NBA in self-creation production so far, pull-ups off the dribble, what have you. I don't think they'll sustain that level of success, but for this Grizzlies team to take that next step to being a sustainable winner, that has to be a critical aspect of things, and you have to at least be encouraged, and with the progression you showed, they showed last year, and what they're showing so far this year, I really think that could be become a reliable part of their offense, making the three a featured part of their offense, like Taylor Jenkins wants it to be. Yeah, I um, you know, it's it's interesting because they, they, they're actually shooting threes in a pretty decent quantity this year, which they haven't always done in the past, even though they had that kind of stated intent. Um, and they've done it even with Dylan Brooks uh, not playing a game yet. I think when he comes in, you know, those Zaire Williams, John Conchar minutes now go to another, you know, productive wing player. I think that'll give him a boost. Uh, the two things that stand out with them right now are one, the defense has still not been good. Uh, they're, they're 28th in defense. I think uh, Ja, for as good as he is offensively, has has not been given to much on on that end of the floor. Uh, you know, Stephen Adams is a pick and roll defender. Like you can do stuff against him. Uh, so it's been a little bit disappointing start on that end. Uh, and then they got to get Jaron going. And it was interesting because they he actually played pretty well in the Denver game in his minutes. He got five fouls and then they never put him back in, which happens kind of a lot, I feel like, where he gets he gets fouls and then they go to the bench and then they just never get back to him. Um, but the, the other thing is I was encouraged because they got him a couple of deep paint catches and you can't just use him like Davis Bertans. Like you got to, you got to let him get those early flashes in the post. You got to use him as a role man sometimes. Like I think there's just a lot of, there's a versatility to his offensive game that hasn't totally been explored. And it's hard because, you know, there's a, there's only one ball and there's only so many guys that can eat. But I, I, I just think they can use him with a, in a team concept maybe a little more effectively than they have so far. I, I Their defense, I, it's really weird to me. Part of their problem is they're allowing the second worst three-point shooting percentage, which is going to normalize. They're allowing 39.5% shooting from opponents uh, on threes, which given the current three-point shooting environment, that actually will get you to 29th uh, these yeah. days, uh, apparently. Um, but, it, you know, it was really interesting to me because I saw them in person against Golden State. I think I've watched two of their seven games or so. Uh, and seeing the incredible playmaking that they had defensively in that game, I think they had 17 steals and nine blocks 
in that game and Melton and Kyle Anderson and, and yeah. Jaron and Ja were all all over the place. And I'm not sure whether that's just they match up really well against Golden State because all the passes they like to throw and that gives them a chance to make plays defensively. But I do think they have pretty good talent on this team. I think getting Dylan back as that stopper is really going to help. And as you mentioned too, just getting Conchar and, and particularly Zaire Williams out of the lineup, I, I think will be really good. But they'll, they'll have some other injuries, obviously. Like most teams are going to have a starter out probably at most points in the season. So I think they can get better defensively. And getting back to Sean's original point, you and I have talked about that, Sean, for probably, I don't know, since at least last year of you know, who the second scorer on the wing is going to be. And so John's column today talking about Bain averaging 17 a game. And so I, I'm interested to see whether if you have Bain at the two, I guess Melton will probably move to the bench. Brooks yeah. will be the three. They're a little undersized there, but between Ja, Brooks, and Melton, can you kind of, can you cobble together between Brooks, or I'm sorry, Brooks and uh, Bain, you cobble together a second score that's good enough and then hopefully Jaron is good too. Like, can you get to having a very solid offense that way without necessarily having a second star on the perimeter? That's, that's going to be an interesting question for me to monitor this year. Yeah, and, and I was just going to say to the point that uh, y'all had made about Golden State, that second half of the game, DeAnthony Melton, I think especially this year with the new, well, the defenses are doing better, but having a player take over a game to the level that Melton took over in the second half is a rare quality. That's what makes him so intriguing as a player. But the Grizzlies were number one in turnover turnovers forced in the league in the first half of last year. I think that's when we're at our best, when we're opportunistic. And when you can get Dylan back and allow for him to be able to take on the other team's number one score, have the other players fall into their roles, I think that could really help things out as well. Yeah. All right. Well, the, thanks for that, Sean. And thanks to everyone for for joining us here on i guess this is the third time we've done this on twitter spaces so yeah we may we may be in a little bit different time next week say say post it on twitter for that of, of when we're going to do it uh it'll, that'll happen maybe a little bit earlier next week because i'm, I'm going to be on the east coast but uh obviously listen to me and danny as well on twitter spaces six eastern three pacific on tuesdays and you can catch my podcast dunked on or sign up for dunked on prime you can read john at the athletic his seven players piece that, that he had today was really good i haven't quite finished it yep but I, I enjoyed it uh other than the Rashawn Holmes all-star talk I thought that might have been a little early Nate, but uh the real reason Nate read it was for the friend of the show Raul Neto gets a uh gets a mention in there well you got to call him Howell Neto, Howell that's, Neto that's, if that's, I that's the next uh yeah D- David Locke uh we're we're not on Lockdown Network anymore but he will uh he will come on and and I don't know he'll get angry I'm I, I can't come up with something funny to say about what David Locke will do to us if, if we don't get <laughs> his name right but that that said uh thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all next week till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.